Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Have you ever felt like that? That everything is against you and pointed at you and you're overwhelmed. What are your options? What are your options when that takes place? Well, you can get frustrated. Uh, You can get static, meaning you just don't budge at all. You can feel defeated. You can uh, give in to fear. You can just completely give up. Or you can get bitter. And if you get bitter, you're going to get brittle. And if you get brittle, you're going to get broken by life. Because I wish I could stand here and say, you will never be overwhelmed in your life. And that would be a lie. Because life is overwhelming. In fact, we're going to see from three examples, from Gideon, from what Jesus said, and from Joseph, life is overwhelming. And through the two stories of Gideon and Joseph, you're going to see that. You already know that. And through the words of Jesus, you're going to know that, hey, life, life is just that way. It can overwhelm us. So how are you at being overwhelmed and yet obedient? How are you when just life is crushing in, you can still say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you? That's what we're going to, to look at through these examples, through the words of Jesus, and see what he has to say to us today. So open your hearts, all right? I don't want you to raise your hand necessarily. No, I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of you feel overwhelmed? How many of you are facing some walls and some obstacles? If that's you, then Jesus is right here with you. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Judges. Judges is an incredible book in the Old Testament. And it has some great stories about how stupid we are as people. <laughs> okay, first of all, um, you have, if you haven't heard me speak before, I, I have this running dialogue in the back of my head of how funny Scripture is and how funny we are. So if I start smiling and laughing, I'm not only crazy, I'm just a little bit crazy. So... Uh, <laughs> The the book of Judges shows how stupid we are as people, and we keep getting into these traps, and how gracious God was to send a judge and a deliverer. And that's what this story is here in chapter 7. And if you notice verse 1, it starts with talking about location. It, It talks about where Gideon was and where the enemies were, and here we go, the, uh, the authoritative, uh, spirit-infused, spirit-inspired word of God gives us a little bit of location. How many of you have ever been to this place that it's talking about by the, by the spring of, of Herod and where the... No, none of us have ever been there. Why is this in here? It's in here because God knows where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at, in the location, in the, the, even in the geography of where you're at. He knows where you're at emotionally. He knows where you're at financially. He knows what is overwhelming. 
I love that this incredible story starts out with a little bit of, of geography and location. I know where you're at. I'm better than any satellite. I know exactly where you're at. I'm better than your iPhone that's tracking you and lets, lets everybody know where. You know, my wife and I have said, let our iPhones track us. I don't care if they are that bored that they want to follow our life. Have at it. This is so much fun. God knows where you're at. Here's the story. They had gotten themselves in trouble. God raised up Gideon to be a deliverer. And he amassed an army of 32,000 people. That's pretty great, right? That, that's really great. Uh, the Midianites' army was at 135,000 people. That's a bit overwhelming, yes. Outnumbered four to one. And then we have verse two of chapter seven. The Lord said to Gideon, you got too many folks. The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. I wonder what Gideon thought right then. You got too many folks. Uh, Lord, excuse me. Uh, can I send you a calculator? Uh, we have 32,000. They have 135,000. That's four to one. Please, Lord, do a recount. <laughs> Lord's going, no, wait a minute, Gideon. If you win with that 32,000, you know what you're going to do? You're going to boast. And you're going to be full of pride. So there's, I, I don't want to give Midian into your hand. You've got too many folks. Gideon swallows. Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, proclaim in the ears of the people, isn't that a great, get right in their grill and let them know, hey listen, if you're fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away, <laughs> hurry away from Mount Gilead, just scatter, scurry, all these scaredy cats. 22,000 of them returned, leaving only 10,000 now to face the 135,000. Folks, this isn't a cartoon. This is real life. This is what took place. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. And essentially, he said, I'm going to tell you what to do. And those that I tell you to let go, you let them go. Those that I want you to retain, I'll, I'll tell you, you retain them. And now it's down to 300 men against 135,000 of the enemy. You are now outnumbered 450 to 1. Are you still going to be obedient? And you guys know the story, and if, if you don't, go back and look at it. It was a, it was a crazy strategy, trumpets and flashlights and, and noises and, and uh, kind of a surprise attack. And Gideon's going, really? Uh, am I going to do this? And yes, he did. He did do it. Here's, here's, 
Here's the thing. Grab it right now. Are you going to be obedient to what God has for you through Scripture, through what he says by his Spirit, through what he says through people? Are you going to be obedient to God when you're absolutely overwhelmed saying, God, you are absolutely crazy? That's the question. Will you be obedient when you're overwhelmed? Well, we know the story of what happened there. And I have to say, it was God that reduced the army. It wasn't bad leadership on Gideon's part. It was God that said, still too many, reduce. Now, I, I make jokes sometimes about tattoos, okay, because uh, I'd, really like, I'd really like some tattoos, but the problem is if I got every tattoo I wanted, it would be head to toe, and that's really awkward as a, as a young preacher. That's really, really awkward. So one of the tattoos I, would be reduce. That's the word of God here. I, I want you to, to reduce. God is saying, Gideon, I'm reducing your capacity so you can see my capability. He's going, I'm going to bring your resources down so that you will depend upon my resources. If sometimes you are overwhelmed and all you can see is your small resources and say, God, how come I got here? Maybe, just maybe, and possibly, and it probably is God that's saying, I don't want you to depend upon you. I want you to depend upon me. And that's why I'm reducing this. So that you will not have faith in what you can do, but you'll have faith in what I have to do for you. So he asked him to reduce. And then in, if you look down in scripture in verse 7, he says, I will deliver. I'll deliver you. And I want you to hear that today as well, that God will deliver you. If God's going to deliver you, that's because you're in a trap. That's because you need a rescuer. You need delivered. And that's where God loves to step in. And one of the things that he is saving Gideon here from is pride. Pride is a, a major weapon of the enemy. So that Gideon and the, and the people of Israel would not walk away saying, <laughs> yeah, bring on another big army of 135,000. We'll take them with our 32,000. No, they had to go trembling into this with 300 men going, Lord, this is crazy strategy, but you said it, and we are going to be obedient even though we are overwhelmed. God rejects the proud and gives grace to the humble. So God will bring us to these things where he has to, to deliver us. And let me say this, a struggle, you may not like this one either, I usually try to preach on verses you don't have on your fridge, okay, or in your mirror and all those kinds of things. Sorry. Um, a struggle is given to us by God to strengthen and develop our obedience. Wow, that was overwhelming. Amen. So I just... Uh, let me say that again. A struggle is given by God to help us in our obedience, 
and to help us. You, you're not going to go forward without any struggles. That's another tattoo you don't have. Struggles are awesome. <laughs> but this is where we gain our dependence upon God to see as, as he takes us through. How, how, do we, how do we look? How do we obey when we're overwhelmed? What does that overwhelmed yet obedient life look like? And I, I want you to see now what Jesus said. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Some incredible teaching by Jesus on what we know as a Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters, that, uh, 5, 6, and 7, that need to be read often. Uh, but we're going to see what Jesus said about anxiety, overwhelmed, and life, and, and how we need to approach it. Are you with me? You, you want to you find out? Okay, the rest of you can go. The other two, come on up and we'll... <laughs> uh, verse 25, therefore I tell you, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We have all been there or are there or will be there by the time we leave this building. Lord, what about my life? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to put on? Uh, it, it, Jesus is just using those examples of all kinds of, of obstacles and overwhelming things that we're, going to, that we're, we're facing. Um, I, I, from how are we going to get our kids through school or... Uh, we have five kids. They're all adult and married now. But I mean, when you were when they were small, you know, how are we going to get them through the day without them killing each other or us killing them? You know, there's just all kinds of of challenges. How are we going to get them through college? Should they go to college? Uh, all kinds of challenges, right? Life is that way every day, and he's going. Listen, don't be anxious about your life, and I just want to laugh. Are you kidding me, Lord? Not be anxious about it? And then he gives us something. Look, look at this next verse. He says to us, to his disciples, to you and I, he says, look at the birds. You don't have that tattoo either. <laughs> look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than these? Like I said, we have five kids, four boys, one son. What did I say? Four. I, I just did that to see if you're awake. Four boys, one daughter. Uh, three of our boys are birders. How how disappointing. I mean, you want to raise them to be cowboys and firemen and astronauts and policemen and, and construction workers, and they're birders. And they have binoculars that they go out and look at birds, and they have their life list, and they have bird books and bird apps, and they know what bird it is by the sound, and it's... What? Lord, where did we fail as parents? <laughs> there was a time that I was going through, we, both my wife and I, were going through an incredible crushing season. You know what those are like. There is such a weight 
on your chest that you don't know if you will get the next breath? How can we go forward? Why? How did we get here? What, what's next? And it was one of those times that I was lying in bed. It was uh, early summer. Uh, our windows were open, and I was just a, a night of, of no sleep because of this, this, this crushing weight that at, at times you wished it would just go on through you so that life would be over, just that it would kill you right there. And I was, I was laying in bed, wrestling with this, and outside our window, right before dawn, this stupid bird <laughs> started singing. Nobody joined it, just this one stupid bird. I'm sure he had a megaphone. And he was looking right in our window and singing right along. And what happened at that moment was this verse. Look at the birds. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. And I take care of them. Are not you of more value? So when you are overwhelmed... Consider the birds. This isn't Jesus just, he's helping us. This is free. Well, it's kind of free because you know what? I've got binoculars now. I've even got a monocular one. I've even got a big one that you can spot them way out. I've got bird books. I'm even keeping a list of the birds. I've even followed birds of Instagram. You know what? Because I, as I look at that and I see these crazy birds from around the world that God has created, that he just had so much fun creating. Look at that. <clears throat> Join birds of Instagram. There's these birds with little tiny bodies and huge heads and colors put together that you know their wife didn't check on them before they left the house. It is so weird. Those don't even match. Some have little bodies and long legs or big bodies and short legs, or small heads and long beaks. And that my wife and I, we found some this summer that have these beaks that go up, and they're long. <laughs> they're going, man, I, that's got to be annoying. That's got to get in. That, that's got to mess up their coffee time. That's, that's got to mess up their kissing. Look at those beaks. They're just, they're long, and they go up. And observing the birds going, Lord, If you love them and you take care of them, I'm of more value. In the midst of this being overwhelmed, Lord, I know that I can give these anxieties to you. So then he says, verse 27, and which of you by being anxious or overwhelmed can add a single hour to his span of life? You can't. So I want to ask this question, how? Is your life working for you? Is all your anxiety and worry and just focusing on the overwhelmed, is it helping to add to your life? If it is, you need to see a counselor. Because that, that's, that's not the way it works. And then he says this, 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So we go from birds to flowers. It happened on our honeymoon. I, I fell in love with my wife. Well, actually, I fell in love with her before. Uh, actually, I fell in love with her three years before, but it took three years to convince her to fall in love with me. So that, that was three years of work. Um, but on our honeymoon, I fell in love with wildflowers. We were in, in central Oregon by Stanley, Idaho, in a cabin, uh, a cabin that had been allowed to be stayed there because it was grandfathered in. There was nobody around but the headwaters of the Salmon River, and it was just gorgeous. And I fell in love with wildflowers. Every day, we'd pick a little bouquet of wildflowers and put them on our, our table. And from that point on, and just I, I love, it. in fact, in the early spring around here, we'll go out orchid hunting. Isn't that weird? I mean, I would have said that a few years ago. I would have said that's really weird, but people are coming down the trail. And I'm going, get out of here. This is my trail because I think there's an orchid over here. Don't step on it. It's really small. It's really beautiful. Just please go away. Where, where are you from anyway? Go, go home. This is, this is our trail, and these are our orchids. Please leave them alone. And you just begin to look at these flowers, and they're incredible. And they're scattered in different places. And, and you go, Lord, you, th there's flowers that people will never see. And you just did that so that we could observe what you're doing. And, and these flowers are here today and gone tomorrow. And these flowers, yet these flowers are not even arrayed like Solomon. And if you know scripture, you go, what? Solomon? Have you read about Solomon? Go back and read Ecclesiastes. He was awesome. I mean, silver and gold were like gravel. How many of you would like to try that? Oh, we need to pave the, the driveway again. Well, let's just get some more silver. What? Read Ecclesiastes. It, it talks this way. Solomon said, I want to get into horses. How many of you have known people that gotten into horses? It's a black hole. You never see them again. They are gone. Their money is gone. They're always riding them or taking them to the vet or for feeding them or wondering about that. It's a black hole, and I know what that's like. We had horses for a while. Just, oh, man, it is a black hole. Then your kids want horses. Then you go, oh, you know, I got to get rid of these horses. Kids or horses? Kids, kids. And so you just go, it's, but he had barns full of them. He really got into horses. And then he said, you know what? I think I want to get into architecture. And he began building. And he was into building. And he was into different kinds of buildings and small buildings and big buildings. And, and he built a ton. He built Solomon's uh, tabernacle or temple that we hear about. And, and he just loved buildings. He really got into buildings. And then he said, you know what, I think I want to get into gardening. And there there's a description of the parks and the orchards and the vineyards and the crops that he had. At, at some point, he said, hey, I think I'll get into women. He had a thousand. Do you guys realize that? A thousand? Go back. Some of you are looking up Ecclesiastes right now. With his wives and his concubines, he had a thousand women. Yeah, let's see what this is like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out women. And of course, he, 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 we know he didn't. 
He didn't do that. He, he wanted, what's it like to have the biggest employee force? So he had servants all over the place. He was the Elon Musk of his day, <laughs> only greater. And Jesus says, he's not arrayed like one of these flowers that's here today and gone tomorrow. And if I take care of them, I'll take care of you. Overwhelmed, yet obedient in the midst of this. Now, let's go back and look at verses 30 through 32. See what else the Lord has for us. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today it's alive, it's beautiful, it's great, but tomorrow it's thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear or what's the things that are overwhelming us? And then he gives us this check here in verse 32. For the Gentiles seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. The Gentiles. Some of your translations will say heathen. I have looked at, at, uh, I've, I've I've been a pastor for years. Raised in a pastor's home a very vibrant pastor's home. Uh, we, my dad believed in revival. He was a man of prayer. What he was in the pulpit, he was at home. Uh, a very alive church. Uh, some of you heard about Pentecostals swinging from the chandeliers. I think we invented that. Uh, our, our church was, was uh, alive. It was... Uh, and it, and been involved in alive churches all along, and alive churches like, like River of Life. And to say, Lord, I think I have seen some pagan Christians. They're Christians, but all you hear about them is, what are we going to eat, and what are we going to drink, and what are we going to clothe ourselves with? And Jesus, would you bless me so I can eat and drink and be clothed? And they sing the song, it's all about me. I mean, it's all about him, but really it's about me. And I wonder, do we have pagan Christians that are so worried about what is next and not giving these anxieties to God, not looking at the birds, not smelling the flowers and saying, Lord, I'm of more value than these and you will take care of me. And here's here's the remedy with the reality check. Verse 34, or excuse me, verse 33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of living, and all these things will be added to you. Here's what it is in the midst of an overwhelmed life is that you seek first the kingdom. Seek first his way. Let that be the first check on on what you're doing when life is overwhelming. Lord, in the midst of this, am I seeking your kingdom first? And then... (laughs) scripture, verse 34, this wonderful reality check, right? Jesus says, therefore, and all of this, don't be anxious, can't add to your life. Look at the birds, smell the flowers. I'm going to take care of you. Not even Solomon was like this. Seek first the kingdom. I'm telling you all this to say this. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's another tattoo you don't have. Tomorrow's full of trouble. (laughs) Because it's going to be, because this is how we learn to rely upon Jesus and be obedient yet overwhelmed. 
So what's the results of an obedient, obedient life when you're overwhelmed? If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 49. Would you do that flip back to Genesis, first book in the Old Testament, towards the end of it, next to the last chapter, chapter 49 and verse 22. It talks about Joseph. And Joseph was, uh, was incredible, wasn't it? He, he went from position of pride, remember that enemy, he went from very, you know the story, he went from being very proudful to the pit, right? And there was persecution, and there was prison, and then there was placement that he might save God's people. What a, what a trip he went through. And again, look at Joseph's life. Read that. It's just, it's just incredible. Listen to sermons on it and read books about Joseph's life. It, it, it was phenomenal. But I want you to look at this ending uh, in the book of Genesis that describes Joseph's life. Genesis 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. Oh, let that soak in for a little bit. What are the walls, the barriers, the overwhelmedness, the anxiety around me that's blocking my goal, my goals and blocking my growth? Is it relationships? Is it some of the broken dreams, broken goals that have fallen apart? Is it, as a, is it your temperament that has to be dealt with? Um, don't, don't allow your temperament to become your identity. Uh, don't allow those walls to, to keep you hemmed in. But instead, be that fruitful bow by the wall because walls, anxieties, overwhelmings, uh, overwhelmingness, overwhelmings, is that a word? I just invented it. You can now use it. Whatever those things might be choking you in, don't let that stop. But be Joseph, he's fruitful. Why? Because his roots got into the living water. He went deeper. He sought first the kingdom of God. And all these other things were added. He is an example of who we need to be. Here's some, here's some questions. And Pastor Seth and the team, why don't you come on up? Uh, that reminds me that I need to get off the stage. Um, here's some coaching questions. What kind of water am I drinking from? When you're overwhelmed, what kind of sources do you go? Let me ask this question. Do I know where to find living water? When I am thirsty, do I know where to go get it? What is my current plan for growth? And is that current plan working? What needs to be added? What needs to be taken away? Does my tree look inviting? Does it have fruit on it? And where do I need to be obedient? And I, can I presently handle the 450 to 1? How am I handling life's overwhelming situations? Am I not digging my roots into the kingdom of God? Am I hitting those barriers and saying, I quit? Am I looking at the walls and the obstacles and saying, I can't? 
go over them? Or am I facing them, saying, Jesus, with you and with the community of faith, we can go over these walls? Let me say this. Where you are planted is more than likely not perfect. There's walls, there's obstacles there. However, where you've been planted has possibilities. And a a reason that you might be surrounded by problems is so that you can be shown possibilities. Our God is not a boring God. He likes to watch us squirm and figure it out. (laughs) Don't you just love that? In high school, I had this incredible chance of working for this cutting horse trainer in central Washington. This was in in the early 70s, before some of you were born. and in the, in the, I was sitting on this one horse, and he goes, hey, Jim, guess how much that horse is worth? And I don't know. I'm a high school kid. I don't know anything. This is in the 70s. And he goes, that horse is $30,000. And he had a barn full of horses like that. None of those his, but he was, he was training them. And one morning, I came out to the barn, and he goes, Jim, I want you to feed the horses this morning. And then he turned on his heels and walked away. I'm going, dude, what a mistake. (laughs) But you know what that struggle did? It said, I've got to figure this out. Lord, what what have I learned so far? What what have you, what what did he, he teach me? I have to scramble because I have to do this. He walked out of the barn. I got to feed the horses. And if we go out to work the horses and they're sneezing and coughing or they're not wanting to do anything, I fed them wrong. Or if they are so stinking hot, you can't even look at them and they start bucking. I did something wrong. Lord, this is a problem, but you're going to give me some possibilities. You have to face your current facts with kingdom faith. Folks, this is the way life is as we come to Jesus. Lord, here's this reality. Here's this wall. Here's this overwhelming army facing me. I need to face that, Lord, with kingdom faith, knowing that the planting I have has purpose so that I can be obedient to you. Here's... (laughs) Here's another tattoo you don't have. We will not have an overwhelmed, free life. Each day has its own trouble, has its own evil. We have to listen to him. We have to just go back to the simple things of looking at birds and smelling flowers and going, God, I will get through. And there's times that you're going to have to grab your friend You're going to have to hold them as they are facing the realities of life and say, God will get you through. It can be overwhelming. 
that you need to stand there with her. But in order to stand there with them, you're going to have to have God pull you through some impossible things. You're going to have to see the hand of God in your own life so that you can stand there with a brother or a sister and put your arms around them. When they're facing things they were not expecting to face. And you're going to have to say in their ear, God will get you through. And that's why he takes you and I through circumstances. So that we can stand with others. So don't be anxious. Yeah, we know. We know this path is full of anxiety. But God will get you through. Get to that living water and seek him first. Lord Jesus, we look to you. And Lord, I know in this room, more than likely, I don't have to be a prophet or anything else, more than likely, folks are facing some overwhelming, anxious walls. Lord, would you be with them? Would you help them to look at birds, smell flowers, trust in you? As you give them great creativity to grow over the wall, to face the overwhelming odds, to be obedient to your strategies and see what you do. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together and worship together as Pastor Seth leads. Thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.